Hi, I'm Ann Faison, and this is Are We There Yet? Understanding Adolescent Grief. Today's guest is my older brother, Shep, who was 19 when our mother died. I remember him being an important source of emotional support for me in the aftermath of her death, so I wanted to ask him about that. But first, I'm going to ask what it was like to lose his mom just as he was finding his independence as a sophomore in college and living away from home. So first of all, hi, Shep, and welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. So what do you remember about the earliest part of your grief? Like what stands out to you in your memory of that time? I think what stands out to me is uh, how surreal the situation was and how incapable I was of handling it. Um, on the one hand, I, I could see quite clearly that our mother was in the late stages of cancer and, and, and that she was going to die. Um, I really only grasped that in the sort of couple of months before she died. And at the same time, I, I have some vivid memories of just blocking it out. So one strong memory for me is sometime in May of that year, the end of my freshman year of college, it was finals week and I was very busy, but I went by the post office and I, there was a letter from her where she, she said that her, the cancer had spread to her liver and that her doctor told her it was fatal. And I just remember sort of standing in the crowded post office with, with people moving around me and, you know, saying hi and jostling me. And I was just sort of staring, reading these words over and over and, and really sort of unable to process them. And um, I was with a friend and I, I just blurted out to him what was in the letter. And he just looked at me and he said, I, I, I don't know what to say to you. And I went straight to my dorm and it was the middle of the day and I just lay down and went to sleep for like three hours. And it wasn't even, I told myself I had to do that. I was just sort of, uh, walking wounded and, you know, looking back, I can see what was going on. I was just a, a very, a huge mental burden that I didn't emotional burden. I didn't know how to handle. And so my mind just literally switched off and made me go to sleep. And yet I woke up and, you know, continued on my way. I, I remember I'm going to see one friend of mine who um, had lost her father. And so I knew she would understand. And I, and I told her and, and she was very, um, you know, warm and supportive. And, and yet I, I felt like I was only half processing what was going on. Yeah. That's interesting that you remember so clearly getting that letter and then just conking out. Do you think you were blocking it out or, or just unprepared for the reality of that news? Uh, I think both. I, I, I mean, I was, I can look back now and see that I was not prepared and you know, how does one prepare for something like that? Uh, I, I also, um, was just, I think, to survive emotionally, I, I, I couldn't fully process, um, fully think about, fully accept uh, that my mother was going to die. I just, I, I would just sort of think about it and then block it out and go on my way. 
So I don't think I was, I wasn't in total denial, but it feels to me like 50% denial. Right. Or 50% didn't have the tools, you know, didn't have the, a clue how to deal yeah. with something like that. Hmm. Do you remember after she died, when you first started asking yourself, when will I be done grieving or when will this all be over with? So she died, um, July 31st, right in the middle of the summer. And I went back to school, the college, the first week of just September. And I had had a great first year of college. So I, I was very excited to go back. And I think unrealistically, I just thought I could go to college and leave the family pain behind and escape. And, um, of course I, 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 that didn't work. <laughs> and I, I suddenly was at college and having trouble engaging in my classes and, um, not being aware of why that was, uh, looking back, it was just so obvious why, but I, I thought there was something wrong with me. Um, and so I went to see the campus psychologist, uh, and I'd never been to see uh, a psychologist before. Um, but I, I, you know, I could tell something was wrong and, I do remember talking to him and, and feeling heard and seen by him and asking him how long, how, how, how long am I going to feel just destroyed like this? And in my memory, he said, you know, grief takes its own path, but a lot of people find that, you know, one year is, is a big milestone. That doesn't mean you're going to feel all, all like you did before after year, but but I, I, you know, I, the first year is going to be really tough. And I found that helpful. I found that useful. It sort of gave me a, a little bit of perspective and, and a goal. And I didn't fail my classes, but, um, but I was just kind of skating through. Yeah, it's funny. When I interviewed Quinn, she also mentioned hoping that college would be a place to escape her grief. Um, and it's interesting that the school counselor or the psychologist gave you that marker of a year as being a point at which you might feel a change. I know for me, at like a year later, I was still pretty overwhelmed by grief, I think. And I, I may not have been crying as much, but I know I still it still felt very present and destabilizing, at least in my memory. Well, I think in my case, I did over the rest of the year, I did succeed in just submerging a lot of feelings. I do remember thinking, you know, um, this is just going to make me grow up a little faster than I would have otherwise. And uh, I'm, I'm an adult now and I have to make my own way, you know, without the parental support that I thought I would have. I, I do remember in that fall um, semester at college, there were a few people I knew classmates who approached me and said, I, I, I heard that your mother died. I'm so sorry. One or two of them talked a little about their having either lost a parent or lost someone close to them. And I remember now not knowing how to deal with those conversations. I didn't even know how to accept their compassion and their uh, support. I, I would just try to brush it off and say, oh, it's fine. It's, you know, it's okay. I'm and, and change the subject. I was unequipped to talk about pain and talk about that kind of suffering. And I just preferred to move on. 
so at 19 or 20, even 21, you were just becoming an adult. But were there older adults, like teachers or mentors, who you could talk to about, you know, about your experience, about the grief and your loss? At school in Connecticut, where I was, no, I, I don't remember talking to any other um, any other sort of parental figures or, or, or teachers. And um, I can't remember if I went to see that psychologist once or maybe two or three times. Um, my, my coping method was denial and uh, just moving on and distracting myself with other things. Did you feel like you were compartmentalizing your grief in some ways since college was a place where you didn't really think about it very much? Did you find you could allow some of those feelings when you, you know, came back home? Uh, maybe. I, I, I don't remember sort of coming home and dealing with it. I remember coming home um, and find and and on some um, subconscious place, I, I sort of hoped that when I came home from college, I would be welcomed back in the fold, at, you know, at, in, into a warm, loving place. And and yet, when I came home on vacations, I found that she was still dead, and and it was it was it was still a, a wounded place. But it was, it's not like I could come home and then deal with the grief. Um, I basically did not deal with the grief. And um, I just distracted myself and moved on. And, um, you know, it was, it was 20, more than 20 years later that I really started to grapple with the grief when I had hit a separate crisis. And that allowed me to to realize that I, I, I had not properly grieved the death of my mother and that I needed to. Hmm. And can I ask what that crisis was? Yeah, it was suffering the loss of multiple deaths of unborn children. You know, my wife and I were trying to conceive. We had difficulty. We were using in vitro fertilization and it was so hard to make a pregnancy and then to have a pregnancy, um, you know, to have a death, it was devastating. And I started seeing a psychologist who pointed out to me that every loss that we suffer connects to the other losses that we've had. He helped me see that I had a lot of unresolved grieving from my mother's death that I needed to work on. Yeah. I don't think that 20-year gap is that unusual. I mean, Quinn said it was 15 years before her grief really resurfaced. I mean, how do you think about that gap? Because I think parents of a grieving child today might be surprised to learn that it took that long before you were able to go back to those feelings. I think what I've learned is um, grief does not follow a roadmap. Grief takes its own time. And... I, I might have hit a cri an emotional crisis 10 years after or 30 years after, but just the way it worked out, it was 20 years after. And uh, so there's nothing magical about that amount of time. It's just when I had uh, an emotional crisis to the point where I was really dropping my defenses and asking for help and 
and and recognizing that I had internal work to do to become whole. And when I think about that that 20 years during which I was not processing it, you know, I was emotionally limited. I was having a very engaged professional uh, life and I was traveling, working in different countries, um, becoming quite a workaholic as a journalist and and really enjoying professional success. But after I went through that later crisis and, and did some emotional growth, I could look back and see that in my 20s and 30s, I, I, there were just emotional parts of myself I was closed off to. You know, I had friendships and I had relationships, but whenever there was something deeply emotionally troubling uh, or difficult that a friend or a partner was going through, I, I, I would close off. I didn't know how to talk about grief. I didn't know how to talk about real emotional pain. Um, when when I knew people who died or got very sick, I, I didn't know how to talk about that or commune with people about it. I just closed that part of my life off and um, it was limiting. Um, and and when I when I was able to recognize that and open up to those parts of life, it's, it made my life much richer. So if you could go back in time, would you have any advice for your younger self? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, if, if I could speak to my 19-year-old self now, I would encourage that person to, uh, to not be afraid of pain and to be open to it and to talk about it and to find ways to connect with other people about it. I absolutely had a mindset, you know, I have to take care of myself and I have to, I, I don't need other people and, uh, you know, emotionally. And um, it would be weak to admit that um, there are such large forces in the, in the universe I can't control. But I, um, I, I limited myself and I limited the richness of my life by closing off to being able to talk about, think about, muse on, write about, experience and share with others the experiences of, you know, of loss and pain. Because every human being has experiences of loss and pain. It, you know, it's, it was silly and arrogant of me at 19 years old to think I could just handle it all myself. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we also don't have the tools to process all that grief at, at a young age. I think we have to grow and mature before we can work through most of it. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence, and you know, Hope Edelman wrote a whole book about this, that you, me, and Quinn all found ourselves having to go back and process more of our grief in our 30s and 40s. And you know, in my case, there really wasn't a gap. I was trying to go through my grief all throughout my 20s as well, but there still was just more to do um, when I was in my 40s. Yes. And, uh, you know, the tools that worked for me when I was in my 40s, I think would have worked perhaps in some different ways, but still would have worked, you know, if I had the wisdom at age 19 to reach out and um, 
really work with a psychologist or be in a group, uh, find other people who were going through the same thing. So uh, that was the first time you'd seen a therapist other than the one you saw at school? That's right. And um, I felt like there was some stigma with going to see a therapist. I, 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 I think on some level I thought... Um, you know, I, I'm I'm strong. I, I thought I was a strong person, and that going to see a therapist would be an admission of, of weakness, um, and that um, you know people who were really troubled need therapists, and and that that I didn't. And and then when I went to a therapist uh, regularly and developed a good relationship with a therapist, I you know I, I saw how how silly my previous mindset had been. Yeah, I mean that's sort of the opposite of my experience. I saw my grief as a strength from the beginning. I mean, it was such a deep and powerful experience and it made me feel like I was handling a lot more and that I even knew a lot more than my peers. And the same with therapy. I felt like going to therapy meant I had, you know, real grown-up problems. You know, it's interesting all the the language that we use around grief, strength and weakness are words that I hear a lot um, in regards to grief and you know, I remember adults like some of our relatives said to me, well, you have to be strong. You know, that was something that people said in those days. I'm sure they still say it, which um, at the time I just took to mean don't cry, which seemed sort of ridiculous. You know, of course I'm going to cry. But I think so often the way we initially understand grief is through the previous generation, through our parents. But, you know, what works for them doesn't always work for us. So I was just wondering about the years when you lived abroad and if being um, immersed in another culture affected your ideas about grief. You know, it's a fascinating question. First, uh, part of my motivation of going overseas and going to Asia, a, a continent far away, was to escape you know, es escape the, the reality that I was living with in the United States. I found it very liberating to just feel like I was leaving it all behind and I could go and explore. So it, it, there definitely was an aspect of escape to it and, and not dealing with uh, the grieving that, that, that would have been healthy for me. I, then I worked as a journalist in China and I, 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 I noticed and I studied and I talked about different cultural norms uh, and different religious practices, but I, I really wasn't able to sort of take in the wisdom of Chinese, Buddhist, or Confucian practices, which have traditions of, of, of grieving and of uh, connecting across generations. And I, I really didn't absorb i really was not i was really not open to in, internalizing and really having an emotional connection to those and only when i moved back to the united states and had my personal crisis and did a lot of spiritual searching and growth um during that 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 time that i that i then was able to 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 learn more about Buddhism and Confucianism and the way that that, that Chinese society, which I knew well, uh, dealt with these issues. 
I was only when I was in the right frame of mind to, to, you know, to be open to these things that I could really absorb them. Yeah. In my own studies of mourning and grief, I think, um, you know, I discovered a lot of those rituals of making altars and communing with the dead. And I thought that was a really beautiful idea. And it's very helpful. Um, I suggest things like that for people who are grieving and, and missing somebody. Um, so did you find that idea of communing with um, the dead or communicating with them, um, you know, with mom, um, helpful as a, as a 40 something year old dealing with your, your grief? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, that was absolutely, um, part of my healing and part of my grieving for mom, uh, that I did 20 years, more than 20 years after she died, um, with the guidance of, a you know, of a, of a psychologist who, who encouraged me and taught me how to speak with her, how to write to her, and then to listen for what, how I thought she would answer. And, um, and I, I, I built a practice of going to a particular place, um, you know, a, a, a quiet temple, um, uh, where I would, where I would speak out loud to her and then listen for her answers. I ended up feeling that um, talking to my dead mother and talking to God and talking to myself were really all inseparable in that moment. Mm, yeah, I love that you bring up listening. I often tell people that that you know if you want to know what your deceased loved one would say or how they might advise you in a given situation. Um, that the answer is always there because, you know, you loved them and knew them and that love and all those years of, of experiences together is still there. You know, that's the part that sticks around. I totally agree. I, I, I found that very useful for me. And, um, uh, I totally agree that those who, those who we love who have died do live on within us in exactly that way. Because if we, if we really listen within ourselves to what they would answer, we, we usually have a pretty good sense. So I mentioned at the beginning that I felt you were very supportive of me in the first few months after mom died. And, you know, that worked out pretty well for me. Um, it just made me feel less alone, um, especially right in the beginning. It was just really nice to um, feel that older sibling support. But, you know, I've never really asked you about that. Um, as an older sibling, did you feel a sense of responsibility toward your younger siblings? Yeah, I did feel a sense of responsibility toward you and Quinn. Um, and I wanted to be supportive of you. Um, but when I look back now, I don't think I was very well equipped to... Um, support you as much as you needed support um, because I, for the same reasons, I didn't know how to grieve for myself. I, I, I didn't know how to grieve with you or to, you know, to be the older brother, um, you know, who could help you through your grief. Um, 
so so yes i felt a sense of responsibility but i i i think the extent to which i really could support you was probably pretty limited i do sense a, an emotional memory of, of feeling quite close to you and feeling like we could talk about anything and that we did talk about a lot of the painful stuff um but um my my stronger memory is just shutting myself down to that stuff mm. okay so this is my last question or two questions maybe um you have twins who are now sophomores in college so they're the age you were when mom died and so i'm just wondering if that's brought up some feelings for you and second um how have you approach the topics of grief and um and death with your kids um throughout their lives yeah that's uh very uh thoughtful of you because i absolutely have been going through a poignant year um with my children and so i've talked to them uh openly about it and um you know, part of that is um, par part of my intent in, in, in doing it, um, you know, was to help them understand um, who my mother was. And yes, I have uh, consciously talked to my children and, you know, very much together with my wife um, about death and about illness and about when, you know, when we have friends or relatives who get sick um, and who die, uh, we, we talk as much as we can about it and about um, being sympathetic to those uh, who have lost someone close to them and, um, and, and, and being open to, to, to talking about all kinds of feelings that come up. You know, we all go through different ups and downs in our lives. And it's, it's kind of a paradox that the really low points when we go through a real crisis or a real devastating moment are, is when we're most, we can be most open to learn and to grow. And, um, for, you know, in, 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 in my life, um, I'm, I'm so grateful I've had the highs and the lows, um, because, um, it's, it, it's, it's made me a, feel like a fuller person and um and um made me feel like i have a much richer life mm. well that seems like the perfect place to end so i want to thank you so much for coming on shep this has been a real pleasure and i learned a lot great well it's a real pleasure fantastic topic and um, uh, good for everybody to think about and talk about If you like this episode, please take a moment to rate and review it on whatever app you're using and send it to others. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that because the more attention this gets, the more easily people will be able to find it. And lastly, uh, I want to thank Josephine Wiggs for the music. It's from her album, We Fall. <laughs>